Are you guys ready to hear the word of the Lord tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe that the word that I have for you guys tonight is a timely word. And I believe that it's going to pierce your hearts. Amen. Um, But before that, let's open up in prayer. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Yeah. (laughs) Father, I just thank you, Lord, um, for your goodness. And I thank you, Lord, from the moment we accepted you till now, Father God, that you blow our minds away, Father, just with your love and who you are and who we are in you. Um, I thank you that there's no room to be familiar with you. But, Father God, I thank you that you are a God that's far beyond our grid of understanding. And every moment it's exciting for, to live for your kingdom. Um, it's, it's exciting to live, uh, yeah, in you. And so, Lord, I just pray that tonight that there'll just be, um, yeah, mad conviction and, and love being poured out. Um, Father, we're just excited. Also, I just pray that we'll have fun as we listen to your word tonight. Amen. Okay. Um, take out your Bibles. <laughs> Okay, the title of my message, I'm just going to go straight to it. It's uh, Let Familiarity Breed Treasures. Mm. (laughs) Okay, but before I go into that, I'm going to read you guys a simple Aesop fable called The Fox and the Lion. Okay, so listen closely. Okay, all right, children, are you ready? (laughs) Okay, Um, one, two, three. When first the fox saw the lion, he was terribly frightened and ran away and hid himself in the wood. Next time, however, he came near the king of beasts. He stopped at a safe distance and watched him pass by. The third time they came near and one, uh, near one another, the fox went straight up to the lion and passed the time of day with him, asking him how his family were. And when he should have the pleasure of seeing him again, then turning his tail, he parted from the lion without much ceremony. The lesson from this Ace of Fable is that familiarity breeds contempt. Oh, you guys are mad quiet. I can't breathe right now. Okay, so this Ace of Fable is pretty much self-explanatory. What it's saying is the fox in the beginning was afraid of the lamb, afraid of the lion, okay? Was afraid of the lion because he was a lion, right? The fox is this like tiny little thing with a frilly tail and there's this huge lion that's like, 20 times bigger, you know, bigger than him. And of course you're going to get intimidated, right? But then the king of beasts, the king of the jungle, right? He was able to build relationship with him. The, the, the fox was able to build relationship with this lion. That's pretty crazy. Because if I was a lion and a fox came my way, I probably would just be like, and then just like, be like, whatever, you don't mean anything to me. But this lion befriended the fox. Did it eat the fox? No. It, made it, it, it gave the fox an opportunity to have a relationship with him, the king of the jungle. Okay? And the crazy thing was the, the little tiny fox got a little bit cocky, got a little bit prideful. And so what happened was, he found that, all right, it's not as hard to b- 
build a relationship with a lion, so whatever. You know, so now all of a sudden they became really, the fox became, like, just thought that, I'm going to say she, because I think, anyways. The fox, she thought that she was just all that. And so that when she went to meet up, now it didn't even matter if she didn't have a relationship with the lion. It's like, okay, I already did that, done that. Now I, I, now I know I can have a relationship with the lion, little me. And so, okay, you know what? It's not that great anymore. It's not that great. And so the, the fox stopped celebrating his relationship with the lion. Think about it. If, if the fox recognized what an honor it was to be in a relationship with this lion, if the fox celebrated the lion, the king of the jungle, if the fox knew that, right? If I was the fox, I would have taken, not advantage, but I would have celebrated and, and been thankful that the lion would be friends with me, that the lion would actually choose to have a relationship with me. And then I, not only that, I would know that I have mad favor because now this huge lion is my friend, right? And so then if something else comes my way, the lion will have my back, right? The lion will run. And if someone wants, you know, something wants to eat me, then the lion will be like, no, and eat that thing, right? Okay. It's if the fox recognized that he would have known the favor that he had in having relationship with this lion, the favor in being in friendship with the lion, but the fox didn't. And you know, in Korean, fox is called yo. The fox was a yo. I'm, I'm too good for this, right? You're too, I'm too good for you, right? And so the fox took advantage of that relationship, took it for granted, okay? And the moral of this Ace of Fables is that the, it's, it's saying that familiarity breeds contempt, what this fable is saying, right? And if you think about even the little things, like even food, for example, food, okay? For me, if I'm, if I'm like obsessed with one type of food, I crave it nonstop, like nonstop. And I'll be like salmon, then like salmon every day, every meal, like yes. But then after a certain moment, I get sick of it, right? If, I know this is really, really simple, but if I understood the benefits of salmon that is good for my skin, it's good for my body, I wouldn't get sick of it. <laughs> I would eat it all the time, just in a good manner, right? But no, I just get sick of the food. And it's because it's, it's no longer something new. It's no longer, it's no longer like the flavor doesn't pop in my mouth anymore because I already know the taste, okay? For, or another example, like specific gadgets you get. You know, like for us, like this generation, you always want something new. Always, if it becomes familiar, you just get sick of it. You're just like, meh, whatever. So you get like, you know how like the Apple generation, for me, every time something a new generation come like a 3.0 to a 3.5 to a 4.0 to a 4, whatever comes out. I want it all. Not because it's like that different, but I'm just like, it's new and I'm sick of my old thing. I'm sick of looking at my old thing. Right. But the benefits of having your old thing, you save money and <laughs> all these good things. You don't waste a lot of money and you know, crazy things like that. But I'm what the, basically what I'm saying is familiarity breeds contempt, even with the smallest things in life clothing you're like so excited to get this outfit right and then after like a week you're like oh i have no clothes you lose all thankfulness what the freak right i'm like what the freak like what's wrong with me because every time i have to always remind myself because i have a i love clothes i have a closet full of clothes but every time i'm like i have nothing to wear 
and it's a little bit embarrassing because I see like a full closet. And I'm like, I have nothing to wear. What the heck? Right. And just from that little thing, God was like, what, where's your thankfulness, Tina? Where's your thankfulness? Oh, <laughs> sorry, Lord. Um, but you know, this actually, this attitude that we have towards the familiar, it's not just towards things or food or stuff like that, like minuscule things, but it could actually, um, seep into our relationship with friends and sadly to say with our relationship with God, Jesus, right? And yeah, this is something that I personally been learning myself. That's why I'm able to share it with you guys. But I realized I had to recognize, oh my goodness. Now I'm like just living this routine, but I don't, routine's good, right? The familiar is good, but I failed to recognize what God was doing in that familiar place. I failed to pay attention what what God was doing in the familiar. So instead of extracting the gold, I was just like living my life daily, not realizing that God had something so precious for me in that place of familiarity. Even in my relationships, you know, like the people closest to me, I realize I, I go into that relationship with, with contempt, you know? So when I meet new people, I'm like, ah, so, like I call them all the time and I'm like, oh, like I'm so excited to meet you and I'm so excited to get to know you, all these things. But then when I start to get to know them, it's like, they're always going to be there. They're always going to be there. Right? So then I get less intentional. I get less intentional and I just take it, take advantage of it. But if you think about even within relationships, the more and more intentional you have, the closer they are to you, the more intentional you should be because you're able to receive so much through it. Right? And so what I, I want us to turn to Mark six, one through six. I'm just going to read it for you guys, okay? So follow along with me. Okay, I'm going to start. Okay, Mark 6, 1 through 6. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Amen. So the Gospel of Mark is the second book of the New Testament, okay? And in this book, it just narrates the ministry of Jesus Christ from the, his baptism by John the Baptist, right, to his death and resurrection. And the passages before this passage that we read is basically, like, I'm just going to give you a list of things that you guys all know. But in the, in the beginning parts of, you know, the, the book, you see Jesus calms, Jesus, you read that Jesus calms the storm, craziness okay restores the demon possessed what heals the woman with the blood disease blood issue and raises Jairus's a, a synagogue leader 
daughter from the dead. Okay, this is just a snippet of everything that he's been doing. Just a snippet. And that he's been doing in these different towns. And what happens is that um, in these different towns, people are obsessed with Jesus. He's like a celebrity. They're like, oh, like, where's Jesus? They'll find every way. Like, he comes off the boat, there's a crowd. Like, he's somewhere else, there's a crowd. Like, they're so expectant for him, right? But the people from his own hometown in Nazareth, they weren't so excited to meet Jesus. It's actually, it was actually very difficult for them to accept Jesus. Not only Jesus, but it was difficult for them to accept his teachings. So in this, chap- in, in this passage, what I want to focus, uh, focus on is how um, the Nazarenes gave room for familiarity to breed contempt. Okay. The first, if you read here, in verse 2, it says that uh, first, when Jesus was teaching in the synagogue, they were amazed. They were impressed by his teachings, the wisdom, the power that Jesus walked in. Everything amazed them, right? But number one, the Nazarenes were offended by the fact that God would use Jesus to teach. Remember, they've known Jesus ever since he was young. He was the carpenter. He was the carpenter's son, right? So... It says in verse 3, though Jesus was teaching with such authority, they couldn't help themselves from seeing him as a carpenter, as a carpenter's son. Instead of being blessed by Jesus' teaching, they took offense. They couldn't receive him. They couldn't receive his teachings at all because they were so jaded by the fact that, blinded by the fact that this was Jesus, not the son of God, but Joseph and Mary's son, the carpenter's son, and a carpenter, right? So to them, he wasn't that great. So everybody else saw him as the famous Jesus that preached with such authority and power and anointing. But for the people of Nazareth, they didn't see him that way. And instead, they were offended by him. They were offended by Jesus. They were offended by him. And what I want to focus is not not just the teaching part I'm going to go to um, later on, but just the fact that it was Jesus, That was offensive to them. Just the fact that it was Jesus. The Nazarenes, I'm sure, knew God, right? The Nazarenes knew God. The Nazarenes had a close relationship with God. The Nazarenes probably prayed. They probably sought the Lord, right? But God offended their minds through Jesus, They couldn't believe that God would use Jesus in this kind of powerful way. They couldn't believe it. So sometimes I wonder, I'm like, what? I was reading and I was like, what if they just stopped thinking about Jesus as the carpenter, but they recognized him as Jesus, the Messiah. They recognized him as Jesus the son of God, they recognized him as Jesus, the person, that, the, the person that everybody was so obsessed with. What if they recognized Jesus in that way instead of seeing him as Jesus the carpenter? How much more could, it, could they have received? How much more? Right? But they couldn't. And I'm just going to give you a, a short example, a personal example of mine. And it's not, 
So for me, like when I was in college, right, basically I struggled with a lot of spiritual pride. Because like I told you guys last week, I didn't do anything bad. I wasn't rebellious. I wasn't buck wild. I didn't do like the promiscuity things. That made no sense. The promiscuous things, right? I didn't do crazy things. So for me, I was like, I, in sixth grade, that's when I received Christ. In sixth grade, that's when I saw someone be, that's when I was filled in the spirit. In sixth grade, in second grade, I received tongues. Do hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> but I received it, right? And I received it fully. And so in sixth grade, that's when I started using it, right? And then starting from then, I was exposed to spirit nonstop. I loved Jesus. I knew God loved me, right? I was fake humble because I was just like, I've experienced everything. I've been there, done that. Like, I've experienced everything. So for me, I failed to recognize Jesus in the Korean church I attended when I was in Iowa. And so when I was in Iowa, I found every way. So for those of you who didn't know, like, because I lived that, like, nice Christian life, uh, a part of me wanted to go buck wild because I thought that my Christian life was boring. The familiar Christian life to me was so boring that I was like, okay, I'm going to go buck wild. And like you guys know, I couldn't do any of that at all. <laughs> I went to college for one week. I went to a house party and I heard sirens and I panicked and it was the ambulance. <laughs> it was the fire truck. Never mind the fire truck. And so you see all like the, I went to a house party. You see all the upperclassmen and like the, all the freshmen are like running into the forest. And I was like, Oh, made a fool of myself. And because I, I had such a big thing of saving face, I was like, Oh my gosh, I can never go to these parties again. And it was crazy because now I look back and I'm like, it's the grace of the Lord because my cousin never called me. I have a lot of older oppas, my cousins. They're a lot older than me. And he actually went to Iowa. And I was at a house party. And then two in the morning, my cousin's like, he calls me. I was like, what the freak? <laughs> I'm like, what the heck? And I was like, hi, oppa. And he's like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, I'm at a house party. He's like, and then I hear my brother, he's like, I'm going to tell! <laughs> right? And my brother's like a goody two-shoe too, so he told my parents. And for me, at that moment, I had the fear of the Lord because I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, my cousin never calls me, but he calls me at 2 in the morning, and my brother happens to be with him. And my parents didn't care because my parents trust me. So the next day, I was like, my papa's like, oh, kasso, chareso, you know, try everything. Enjoy life. So I was like, okay. But then for me, like, the fear of the Lord was so strong. I'm like, I'm never going to do that again. Um, but anyways, so that's why I went to Iowa. I wanted to go buck wild, right? And not only that, the thing is, because I knew God, I couldn't just go fully buck wild and become a non-Christian. I couldn't. Because I've experienced so much, I could never doubt that. I could never doubt God's existence. I knew God existed. I knew a lot, okay? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to put half here and half in, in, the, in the kingdom, spiritual world, right, with God. And so I'm like, I have to go to church. I know I have to go to church. So I was like, I'm going to find every way to go to an American church, just the American church. I'm like, I want to be filled with, surrounded by white people. Like, really, I was like, I want, I want diversity. I can't stand Koreans. I've grown up in, a, like, I grew up in a Korean church my whole life. I'm like, no, I want diversity. I want to hear only English. And no, I am not going to 
an American church. And it's Iowa. There's a lot of white people. So I was like, I, I, I have to find one, right? So I, I checked out Vineyard. I checked out this other place called, like, 24-7. I checked out a lot of things. And then, um, but, yeah, it was, I couldn't fit in that well. And I was like, why? You know, people were really nice. Like, I was friends with them. But I'm like, why? I, I didn't have, I was like, why can't I, why am I not comfortable here, right? And one of my friends invited me to a Korean church. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But she invited me, so I was like, okay. Like, really nicely. I'm like, okay, okay, I'll, I'll check it out. And I went, and long story short, I ended up staying there for f- three years. And the whole time, every time, I was like, God, I don't know why I'm here. Every Sunday, I'm like, God, why am I going to this church? Every Sunday, I'm like, I hate it here. I hate it here. I hate it here. Um, and I fail to recognize that Jesus is present in that church. Jesus is moving in that church. And for me, I was, it was the familiarity of a Korean church, what I grew up with, right? With Jesus, the Nazarenes were familiar with him because they grew up with him. For me, I was familiar with the Korean church because I grew up in the Korean church. So I failed to recognize the power of Jesus within that church. So now we know, like as Christians, the spirit dwells in us right? The spirit speaks through us. Jesus lives in us. And I failed to recognize that Jesus can speak through these Korean people. And so instead, you know, when I was in church, I I have a lot to um, repent for, which I did. But, you know, I, I, because I failed to recognize those things, I would be at church and I would just sit there and I would be so super prideful. And I'll just listen to Korean. I'll be like, always says the same thing he always preaches the same thing about his son going to law like law school and all these things now just think oh he's doing the same thing and so for me out of my rebellion i was like out of my pride my religious pride i would read the bible sitting in sunday service i don't know if that's something that it might not sound that bad to you guys but it's actually pretty bad because i wasn't i wasn't submitting under authority I was thinking that I was better than them. And I sit in service because I'm super religious. Like, I need to go to church. So I sit there, and I'm, like, reading the Bible and saying, I'm too good for this. I was ashamed. Now I'm not, okay? But I failed to recognize that this Korean church, God had so much in store for me there. And, you know, like, God really wanted to speak to me through these Korean people. I'm Korean-American. And, and not only that, like, I look back now, and he was really training me for here while I went to the Korean church. If I recognized that Jesus was there, I would have seen the bigger picture, right? God was preparing me for Korea. Now I'm here in Korea serving in a campus ministry in Korea, though it's in English. If you guys don't know, I have to attend the joint worships. I have to attend Christian fellowship meetings, which are held all in Korean, I have to hold hands with them and sing together. I have to do the chukbok song like this. In, Korea, in Korean churches, they all do this chukbok song, okay? Okay, like, 당신은 사람밖에, you know? And so, but the thing is, if I never went to this Korean church, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't know those things. And then I would just be here again being mad prideful and not shining Jesus' light. And I'm doing full-time ministry. So then that means that I would have just sat in these, like, meetings and be like, I'm too good for this. I'm just going to read the Bible myself, you know? But God was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to let you, I'm going to reveal to you what I'm doing in Korea through this Korean church. Recognize Jesus is there. And now I'm able to see that Jesus is here. 
at Yonsei in these Christian fellowships. I'm able to worship with them freely, right? I'm not silent. I'm able to worship with them freely because I know Jesus is there. Jesus is moving. Jesus, like I'm able to receive the teachings even in Korean because I recognize Jesus is there, right? And so the Nazarenes didn't believe that God would use Jesus to bless them. For me, I didn't believe that God could use a Korean church to bless me, okay? Therefore, I didn't really receive, and I tried to receive towards the end. But, um, yeah, it's so crazy because for us, I want you guys to recognize that even within the familiar, what you know, God's, going, God's doing something much bigger, God's doing something much bigger. So even within the familiar, for me, Korean church was mad familiar. And I did not like it. Right? For the Nazarenes, Jesus was really familiar to them. He wasn't even, like, that awesome of a figure. So for them, there was also, like, you know, I'm pretty sure they're, like, Jesus. But if they recognized who Jesus was, it's God had something much bigger for the Nazarenes, too. Much bigger. God wanted to stretch the Nazarene's faith through Jesus. God's, God, the Nazarene's faith was being so stretched through Jesus. They knew God. They knew God. Right? But then, through Jesus, they had to, there was another level of faith that they needed to walk in because it's someone that they were familiar with, you know? And so when you know someone, especially even like us, right? I think it's easy to, even like in, in Korea, right? You may have experienced like everything back at home, like everything you're receiving here in Emmaus and at New Philly or your prospective churches that you go to here, you may actually have seen everything. You may actually have been familiar with everything that we're doing, right? Your church actually may, might be more fire-filled than New Philly. Your church might, um, even your campus ministry might be more fire-filled than Emmaus, right? So then there's this, like, feeling, there's this, like, inner pride within you, unknowingly, that it's like, I've been there, done that. So why not just make the most of Korea and just do other things? God is moving powerfully here. Here in this nation, here at Emmaus, here and New Philly, here at Jubilee, Onuri, you know, he's moving powerfully. But you need to recognize it first. Um, yeah, like you might feel that I'm just saying, what is there to lose by recognizing within the familiar, like by recognizing Jesus in the familiar, by recognizing what God's doing in that place of familiarity, what is there to lose? If you're able to receive and reap everything, like even for those that are going to go home soon, why not have a deeper relationship with God right now instead of when you go back home to your fire filled church? Why not start now, right? How much more amazing would it be if you leave Korea 
even more fire-filled. And then you go to your church, and then you're more fire-filled. How much more amazing would that be? For those that are here in Korea, how much more amazing would it be if you can receive more this semester and then another next semester and then another next semester and grow instead of going a cycle of saying, I've been there, done that, been there, done that, been there, done that, been there, done that. I've done that for 20 years of my life. I'm not that old. <laughs> Only 25, but for a good 20 years of my life, I did this. Been there, done that, been there, done that, been there, done that, been there, done that. So for me, I would go to like my, my missions trips for that spiritual high that would keep, keep me. And then I'll go again and keep me. Right? And God was like, no, 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 no. That's not what I want for you. I want you to grow. So even within the familiar, I'm moving. But do you recognize? Even for those that are, even, you know, for me personally, like I've been a part of Emmaus for over three years. I've been a part of staff for like two and a half years, and I've been a part of Emmaus as a student for a year. And this is more for the four-year students, but even that, even for the year or the four-year students, what can happen is that even the familiarity really can breed contempt. Yonsei Emmaus has been around for the longest time. Okay? And so then you're just, you just become familiar with it. You just become familiar with large group. You just become familiar with... Um, the retreats, and you just become familiar with even the church-wide retreat at New Philly. You just become familiar. And so then expectancy just decreases because you're like, been there, done that. Let's just go in with no expectation, see what God does. Whoa, God surprised me. Boom. <laughs> you know, but then I want you guys to really know, like, there's people that are yearning to come to these retreats, that are yearning to come back to Emmaus. Like, we have alums calling us all the time saying, I miss you guys so much. And we tell them, no, 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 it's not about Emmaus. Right? But then they recognize what God's doing here. So, recognize. Take advantage of it. Take hold of what you can receive here, right now, instead of regretting it when you go back home. Right? Take hold of it because God has so much in store for you. Not just the person next to you, but for you. Take hold of it. Don't let familiarity breed contempt. Another way that Nazarenes were offended was through the teachings of Jesus. Just through the teachings of Jesus. Not just through, but through the teachings of Jesus, right? And in Luke 4, 20 through 30, it says this. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. But he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. They basically wanted to kill Jesus. His own people, friends, family members, people that he, whom loved, like who loved him, they wanted to kill Jesus because they were offended. What do you think made them so angry? Why would they want to kill Jesus? Basically, throughout this whole thing, when Jesus was in the synagogue, he was preaching the truth. He was preaching the truth, and the truth is not always a feel-good message that makes you feel all happy-go-lucky inside. It doesn't make you all tink like tingly and ticklish inside. 
That's not the gospel. That's not the good news. That's not the gospel. Like sometimes, you know what? Jesus offends your mind. And Jesus offended their mind. Right? And Jesus, the carpenter, was offending their mind through the wisdom coming out of his mouth. And in verse 4, it says, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own town, among his relatives, and in his own, t- in his own home. And so they couldn't receive him. Because they were so familiar with him as Jesus, they couldn't, not only could they not learn from him, but then they could not grow in deeper relationship with the Lord. Because what was being spoken out of his mouth, what Jesus was preaching was the good news. It was of the Lord. It was to build relationship with the Lord, to take the Nazarenes into another level, another level. Right, but they fail to recognize, and they's like Jesus teaching powerfully. No, I'm not going to receive. Basically, saying we're not going to grow. We don't care to grow. Right. And for some of you, it may be hard to read the Bible. Right. It may be hard to pray. It may be hard to go to church. It may be difficult for you guys to come to Emmaus, but it's not because you're not disciplined. It's not because you're not disciplined. It's not because you are lazy. But you know what? It could actually be because you're offended by God. You might actually just be offended. When you find out what it really means to live for the kingdom, when you find out what it really means um, to live for others, to love others as yourself, when you find out that You have to lose your life for the kingdom. It can get a little bit offensive. It's offensive. God's saying, can you die for me? Not literally, except some people are called to martyrdom, but not literally for you guys. Okay? He said, can you die for me? Can you die to yourself for me? Do you have faith in me? Faith that I have better for you. Do you have faith in me? But that, it's really hard because the world is saying your whole life is you're living for yourself. But God is actually saying the complete opposite, saying, no, you're living for me, not for yourself. Right? And so that in itself is a bit offensive. Because of that, there might be difficulties in pursuing the Lord because you know once you pursue the Lord, it's game over. It's game over. Okay, so the Nazarene's faith was challenged by Christ, and as a result, they were offended. For you, your faith is being challenged by Christ. Your faith is being challenged as well. But it can be a little bit offensive. But let me tell you this. Your faith is what moves God's heart. A lot of our walk with the Lord is not about understanding. It's about faith. It's about faith. And so that moves God's heart. But are you willing to have faith? Are you willing to take that step of faith instead of standing on the cliff and saying, you know, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. Are you willing to take the step of faith? Saying, God, I trust that you have better. You know, when, you have, when your faith is being challenged, it's really, initially it's really easy to get offended, like I said. Right? Instead of tr- seeing the truth behind God, 
and him wanting to build your faith, him wanting to take you higher, him wanting to give you more than what you can expect for yourself, what you can make for yourself, right? What you can cultivate for yourself. It's you, it's really hard to recognize that. So it's easy just to stay in that place of familiarity because that's where it's comfortable. So the Nazarenes were challenged by Jesus. Their faith was challenged by Jesus and stretched. But then for them, like the familiar, like the familiar spirit that hindered them from growing, from growing deeper with the Lord. For some of you, you're, you're very familiar with the Christian faith, the Christian life, right? So it may, he may be, God may be offending your mind because what you are receiving here in Korea is unfamiliar. The Christian lifestyle in itself is familiar to you, but the teachings that you're receiving here is something that you've never heard of before. It's unfamiliar. It challenges you. It's a little bit offensive, right? The lifestyle of living an undignified life, okay? Um, like I said, loving others as yourself. Dying to yourself. That in itself, like, that Christian life is not as familiar to you, right? And so uh, even, even the Christian life of saying you have influence. God believes in you. God wants to use you in a powerful way. Right? Even that, it's like, ugh, I don't know. I don't know. And then, so when you received Christ, you thought of this, like, fantasy world of what being a Christian would be. But then when you find the reality, you're like, oh, <laughs> I didn't know I had to die to myself and love others as myself. And basically forgive every single person I don't want to forgive. <laughs> All these things, like it's telling you to die to your flesh. And someone, you know, I, I don't know if you guys heard this, but a dead person can never be offended. A dead person can never feel misunderstood. A dead person can't fear. A dead person, because you're, you're touching a dead corpse, right? But then in us, there's like that longing to live. But to die is to gain. To die is to gain. And so the Christian life is actually life, but the enemy will tell you otherwise and say the Christian life is not life. Your life is life. So as a result, since you're familiar with the Christian life, what everybody told you, living that undignified life and living to the fullest of what God has called you to be, it's, it's difficult. You know, Jesus, the Nazarenes, they, there was an amazing I'm pretty sure God had so many amazing things stored for the Nazarenes, right? But then they failed to recognize the power that was coming out of Jesus. So when familiar, familiar, familiarity breeds contempt, it's ultimately unbelief, okay? Unbelief that God can move powerfully. So because it says in verse 5, because of the unbelief, it says that he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed by their lack of faith. Do you believe that God is limitless? Do you believe 
that God will use you in a powerful way. That's far beyond your grid of understanding. Do you believe that the Christian life is fun? Yeah? The Christian life is fun, right? And so for me, like, you could ask the staff here why we do this. I tell you this all the time. You guys could ask us why we do what we do. Why we do what we do. And I'm pretty sure you've met us too. You realize we're actually pretty crazy. You know, we're actually pretty crazy. But not only that, if you talk with everyone, they're really confident. Not prideful, but confident. Because they know who they are in Christ. Right? And so, for them, the familiar now, it's Jesus. Knowing Jesus, it can be familiar to us. Because now, for, for me, I'm going to live 99% of my life for the Lord. So, of course, there's going to be times when it's familiar to me. Like, there's different things that happen in my life. This is going to look like a routine, certain things. Certain parts of my life, it is a routine. I come here every Tuesday and Thursday, it's a routine. You know? But then, in that familiar routine, do I recognize what God's going to do? The students I'm going to meet. The breakthrough that's going to happen through that familiar environment. In the familiar, familiar, let God blow your mind. Let God blow your mind in the familiar. There's treasure in the familiar. Don't let it breed contempt. Don't let it breed contempt. But let God reveal the treasures in the familiar. There's so much. Like that means even for you guys, in the familiar, every day you guys go to class. Every single day. It could, you could just breathe and then you could just be like, oh, and then like every single person you meet is the same people. So even that could be like, ah, oh, like I meet the same people and you could breathe content. You don't think much of it, right? But it's saying, God, blow my mind away right now. Blow my mind away with the relationships that you have in store for me. The growth, the, the, the divine connection and appointments that you have for me. In the familiar, Lord, blow my mind away. But that's only if you guys want it. God wants to pour his love on you, right? He wants to pour his grace over, over your life. He wants you to walk in breakthrough. He wants you to walk in favor. He wants you to live a life that's so much bigger than you, right? But to be honest, really, if, if you let the familiar just take hold and not look within, you're going to miss out. And so this is something I'm learning every day, every morning, right? I come before the Lord and say, God, may I be awake. May I be awake to the familiar. I don't say familiar, but I just say, may I be awake, right? God, reveal to me what you have in store for me today. Reveal for me what you have in store for me today. And, you know, for you guys, now you know that you're called to bear fruit. You're coi- you're, coi- <laughs> you're called to multiply, right? You're called to be fishers of men. But if you just stay within the familiar and don't recognize what God's doing there, are you bearing fruit? For me, I'm not. I'm not. 
I'm not, you don't have to literally be meeting someone. It could be through Facebook. It could be through email. It could be through just a normal dinner or a normal lunch. It could be through those things. But I'm saying recognize the treasure. Don't let the familiar take over. But the familiar, there's much gold. There's a lot of gold. So right now, I actually want you guys to close your eyes. Close your eyes. So many of you here either grew up in the church, right, or have been a Christian for a while, or have met Jesus recently, okay? So I want you to think about when you met Jesus for the first time. Just think about Jesus. When you met Jesus for the very first time. I'm sure every one of you guys had an experience with him. For some, it may have been crazier than others, but every one of you guys had an encounter. I want you to remember when you met Jesus for the first time, how you felt. What was your relationship with like? With Jesus then. Okay, now I want you to ask yourself this. Did your relationship with God grow? Is your relationship with the Lord stagnant and complacent? Is your Christian life stagnant and complacent? Is your, Christ, is your relationship with the Lord just a fading memory? I want you guys to turn to Jesus right now. Remember when. Remember when he first encountered you. For many, you guys know the verse John three sixteen. I'm sure some of you guys could recite it forward and backwards, right? You know that God sent his only son to die on the cross for you. This is a revelation God's been revealing to me. I've heard the gospel so many times. Even this verse, I've recited it so many times. And I was like, recently, I was like, oh, my goodness, God. Oh, my. You sent your son to die on the cross for me. Times, a lot of times we hear this and we forget what our real destiny was without Christ. And it was death. But through Christ, we have life. Through Christ, we have life. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. God loves each and every one of you guys so much. that he would send his one and only son for you. The gospel is powerful. It's powerful. And it may be familiar to you, but that familiarity 
Let's, let, let's have it breed treasures. There are treasures in the gospel. Treasures in, in knowing Jesus.